Good tomorrow. You see, we get so used to just saying good evening, good evening. I mean, why, why be stuck on that? Good tomorrow. Let, I mean, let... I, I just give you fair warning that I'm a little inebriated before I start. Because drinking on the job is such a good thing to do. And oh, you know, I love the fact that tonight we've been praising and worshipping and we've been speaking of how the, the, the symbol of Christianity is not an empty cross, it's an empty tomb. I, I just want you, I'll talk to church this side. It's an empty tomb. Paul didn't talk about the empty cross, but he did talk about the empty tomb. He said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and that was what Caleb was even talking about in the verse he shared with us. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we might as well go home and sell bananas. It's just, he said, our preaching is in vain. And, and, and so, you know, <laughs> oh, and, 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 and so, you know, there's many times we forget just as we're going through life that there's a resurrection power that we carry as we are believers in Jesus and anointed by the Spirit. There is a resurrection grace that we walk in. I'll just talk to church this side. That, and, and yet how easy it is to forget that there is resurrection grace that we walk in. In other words, we can see something that everyone else sees as hopeless, but we don't see hopeless. We see new life. We don't see disaster. We see opportunity. We don't see what the natural eyes see. We see what God sees. I mean, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? You can either see the wrinkles. Oh, I'm sorry, for some of you, you can see the glowing exterior. <laughs> Or you can see danger for the devil. I, 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 I have a reverse mullet. And so, but when I look, I don't look at what I haven't got. I look at what I have got. I look in the mirror and I see someone who God has called. I see someone who Jesus died for. I see someone who God has said, there's a hope and a future for you. There is all sorts of amazing things. I thank God I was driving the other day and I was just spent a whole time thanking God for his hand on my life. I had to pull over to the side of the road. I was getting so drunk. <laughs> not with alcohol. These are not drunk as ye suppose, said Peter. On the day of Pentecost. Well, that same power has not gone out of existence. Ah. So how's your drinking going? It's been going good tonight for me. You know, there's, I turned to Ross in the middle of worship and I said, there's some portals here. There's some portals. And, and, and I'm going to maybe talk, talk about that a bit later on. Sight is precious. It's very precious. We need good sight. We need vision. If you want to drive in New Zealand, you've got to pass an eye test. If you want to do something, I, when I was uh, an electrician, we would have to have uh, learn CPR because you know if if you if you blow something up or you electrocute yourself, you jump out of yourself. Do CPR on yourself till you come back to life and then you jump back in yourself. This is what I asked the instructors when I said, why do we have to learn CPR? Because most electricians work alone. And so how's this going to help me? And he said, don't ask the question, just learn. <laughs> but the reality is, you know, sight is really good. And without natural sight, we need some assistance. And so we get some glasses and and uh, we, we get other sorts of things, magnifying glasses, all sorts of things, to, to just be able to see better. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The rest of you, praise God for your, your good sight. We have a good story out of Mark's Gospel record of the ministry of... That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> 
ministry of Jesus. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. <laughs> if you wonder what's happening, so do I, because I have no idea what God's going to do, except I know He is. But at the end, we've got an anointing that's going to take place, which you'll... <sighs> Mark chapter 8. And it says in verse 22, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man. (laughs) Ross, can you come and read this for me, please? (laughs) That that one there. Can you just move across a wee bit? Other way. (laughs) (laughs) They came to. I think that angel just came. The one behind you or the one behind me? Hang on. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. (laughs) He took the blind man by the hand. And led him outside the village. When he had spit. Can I say that again? When he had spit. On the man's eyes. And put his hand. And put his. I'm glad this isn't being recorded. And put his hands on him. Jesus asked. Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like tree. Trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His. Come around the side. Whereabouts are we? Verse 45. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't see. Where are we? <laughs> then he took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside the village. And when he had spit, is that the new kind of fire tunnel we're going to have? Is it? <laughs> I was saying to Mia, you need to get lots of water because it's going to be a different kind of fire tunnel. Spitting tunnel. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, and Jesus asked, do you see anything? (laughs) And he looked up and he said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. And once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. And then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored and he saw everything And Jesus sent him home, <laughs> saying, don't even go into the village. Is that, is yeah, yeah, <laughs> I did it. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. The, 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 <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You, <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> This is a fascinating story. It's, it's a sto- every story in Scripture is actually given to help us understand the principles of the kingdom. It's, it's not talking for any other reason because the Bible says that they're given for our, for our instruction and encouragement upon whom the end of the ages come. So, Let's look at this story. Now, first of all, I just want to say, this is not a day when Jesus had half power. It wasn't a day when Jesus didn't, it wasn't a very bad day in the office for Jesus. 
So therefore, we've got to look at it that Jesus was doing something so that you and I can understand kingdom principles, the ways of God, and get past ourselves and learn how to get more from Jesus and more of the Holy Spirit. It's just important that it was not a failure as far as Jesus was concerned. It was so he could teach us something out of the story. Do we get that? Now, I know that some people have used the story to say, well, just lay hands on again. Well, I just do that up, but I didn't need the story. I just lay hands anyway. Because the, 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 the kingdom of heaven is not into rations. The kingdom of heaven is into abundance. The kingdom of heaven is into overflow. The kingdom of heaven is into more. And, and, and so, you know, there's no such thing as, as you, you, you just can only have a little bit. Well, not for me anyway. Otherwise, you can only have a little bit of joy. Which if you go down the street, you can find a lot of people looking like they've just got a little bit of joy. Oh. <sighs> but but what, what, what do you think would happen if every church in the Hutt Valley suddenly erupted with joy? <sighs> Whoa! Whoa! It happened in the book of Acts. Because, you know, that raises a question as to what is church for? I had a leader ask me last week, well, well, what is church actually for? And I said, well, that's an easy one to answer. It's actually for God. It's, it's not about the people. It's a place where corporately we can come and exalt the one who is high and lifted up. It's about creating a place for him to dwell. And so if you're coming along to church to, to get what you want out of it, stop being a thief because thieves don't inherit the kingdom of God. The reality is we come along to give the glory which due to him and to create a place where he can demonstrate himself. Where he can demonstrate... He can demonstrate himself. And, 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 and in the book of Acts, we read that God worked with them, demonstrating himself, it says, with signs and wonders. The only sign and wonder there is, in, 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 if you don't give the spirit room to move, is the sign of how much snoring can take place. You know, I... I have no idea why some people think God's not joyful. I have no idea why some people think God is not joyful. Just a little bit more, if you please, Tom. <laughs> uh, Tom is related to the man you read in the book of Acts who went walking and leaping and praising God. The genetic flow is obviously still there. It always amazes me, like many of you heard me say before, that there he was walking and leaping and praising God in the temple, and there's not one sentence about anyone being upset. If you did that in many modern churches, you'd have so many people upset. Well, because they didn't understand the praise that God had instilled. It's so good tonight when I hear people clapping because you always know when the anointing's sort of there because people start clapping. And, and, and the one left over from my, my heart operation from all this is it, it actually hurts me to clap because there's something happened in the nerves down there and I don't feel properly. And, and, and guess what? I'm still clapping. I wasn't going to let some funny things that down there stop me clapping tonight. And so I just clapped and, oh, that hurt. Who cares? Let's clap because it's all about him. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's a bit like the people who say, well, I don't like that song. Well, we weren't singing to you, sweetheart, so don't worry about it. It's like... <laughs> Just, just notice in this story, the first thing Jesus did was take him out of the village. Now, why would he do that? The first thing Jesus did was take him out of, 
out of his normal situation, out of the routine of his natural life. And when Jesus wants to have an encounter with you, many times he still will take you out of the routine of your normal life. You can be sitting in church, you can be doing things, and suddenly he'll take you out of the routine of just doing it, normal things. And we've got to learn to adjust that that man could have easily just said, Jesus, I don't know where I'm going, I'm staying here. But he allowed Jesus to take him out of his known, out of his comfort zone, so that why? He could have an encounter. He could have an encounter. And I know that some of you tonight, God's going to take you out of your natural zone. He's going to take you out of what you know. Because if you're just stuck there, you're never going to have the fullness of what he has for you. And all the way through, Scripture, there's story after story after story where people were taken out of the natural place, out of their status quo, out of, out of their normal, out of their ordinary, and then they suddenly had an encounter. I love the story of Abraham. It's such a bizarre story. Because if you try to work out why would God ask this man to whom he'd made all sorts of promises, now take your son and go up to the top of the mountain. Why would God do that? Because he's God. But he took him out of his natural place. Here's Isaac, who was the fulfillment of the promise he'd waited 25 years for. And you think you've waited three and are getting upset. He'd waited 25 years for this. And now God says, put a knife into him. I mean, it blows the human brain. We try to work it out. Well, don't. Just allow God to interrupt your status quo, to interrupt your perception of how things should happen. Allow God to rattle your cage. And suddenly what happened was a covenant was given to Abraham because he didn't hold anything back from God. I mean, it started off with get out of your city and go to a place. I'm going to show you. That's how the Abraham story started. Moses, God shows him a burning bush. He's just been a shepherd. And suddenly a bush, well, in the wilderness, around there, things are dry wouldn't take much for a bush to burn. That's not an issue. It happens still. But it was a bush and it was not consumed. It didn't suddenly just become a bunch of ashes. It suddenly was there and it was burning and 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 burning. It says he turned aside to go, what is this? Because the bush was still there. But the fire was also still there. And that gives me such hope that we can allow the fire of God on our life and we're not destroyed. In fact, we become a display of the splendor of God. But our humanity would say, well, just you've got to be careful of this fire. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Jesus came to put a fire on the earth. <laughs> oh, I love you, Jesus. Yeah, well, <laughs> I love you, Jesus. Ha. Elisha. The story of Elisha is fascinating. He's got his economic future, his oxen. He's plowing up his ground. That's his economic future. And he's told, kill them and sacrifice them. How would we think if God suddenly says, kill your economic future, so all you've got is the smell of burnt flesh. Huh. It doesn't make sense. But they saw what they couldn't see. They saw something that they couldn't understand with the natural mind, but they saw something in the realm of the, of, of the Spirit, the realm of God. They saw something, which is why Elisha did it, and then he followed 
Elijah. And, and Elijah took him on a, he took him on a monkey puzzle ride. He went up these mountains and down that valley. And you look how it was. And it says he went up and he went down and he went around. And he said, oh, are you still coming? Yes. 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 What do you want? Well, I haven't got a Mercedes for you today. Well, what do you want? Oh, I want my cows back. No. <laughs> he went, I want a double capacity to be able to see the unseen. We so often think about, I want the double anointing. But what he was saying was, I want a double capacity to see the unseen. To have a revelation. And that's why he was able to say to the young man, well, just God, open his eyes. And suddenly, whoa, there's more for us than there are against us. Why he was able to see all sorts of things. Why he was able to sit up on top of a mountain and, and he could see what was coming. Newcomb. And all sorts of amazing things. Why? Because he had a double capacity to see into the spirit realm. So he wasn't phased by what was going on about because he could see into the unseen world. And the reality is in today's world, so many people, they're getting shaken and they're getting tossed around because they are not seeing the unseen world. They're not seeing the God world. We're not, they're not seeing the dream God has. You see, I've read the end of the book just like many of you. I know how this is going to end. The world is not doomed for disaster. The world is there, a place where Jesus is going to split the sky and he's going to rule and reign on the earth. And, and it's going to be glorious. So it's not a doom and gloom future. But if Christians walk around looking like it's all doom and gloom, there's no hope for the world. And that's why God wants to pour out joy. He wants to pour out joy. He wants to disturb us as we are so we can represent him even more. So Jesus took the man out of his comfort zone. How are we doing? Is this okay? I'm, I'm having fun. Someone asked me during the week, they said, how's retirement going? I said, oh, retirement's great, but I've still got my hobby. And they went, oh, what's that? Preaching. <laughs> and so... Jesus got him out, and then he anointed him. You know, spit. What was he doing? He was anointing him. And there's many times the anointing has been offensive to a natural understanding. There's many times anointing has been offensive. And someone gets, and, and, and people, and then you hear all sorts of comments. Well, they're just getting too big for their boots. Well, go buy bigger boots. <laughs> so, God bless you at the back. <laughs> That's why you got to sit on the front row. <laughs> and <laughs> so he, 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 he anoints him, and, and suddenly the man can see, but he's interpreting what he can see. Through his past, he's putting an interpretation and he starts to say, I can see men like trees, but he's, he's based on what he's known in the past or what his assumptions are. And there is many times anointing comes on something or us or we go to do something, but our interpretation is not based on what is yet to come, but is shaped by something that we've encountered in the past. And this man could have easily go, thank you, Jesus, I, I've, I've had that. This is, this is good, I've, I've had something. But the reality is, whoa, 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 that we've got to let the anointing touch us again. Whoa, we've got to get under the anointing again. We've got to get under the anointing again. Because it's only when the man got under the anointing again, he started to see properly. He started to see clearly. Whoa, Shukunda. Hey, can I get up in? Can we try? 
It's good having this good, strong man. Someone asked me recently, why, why, why don't you just stand there? <laughs> I, I can't explain why God gets, does this to me and, 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 and then takes me around the world. Well, was taking me around the world. He's taking me around New Zealand at the moment. I was in, I was in Auckland this morning and, and, and the Spirit of God just moved and it was awesome. So, I teased Jody in the prayer meeting. He was asking how did it go. I said, I've had two angelic times today. Oh, no, I flew up at the high places. (laughs) She thought I was serious for a moment. And then Jesus said, You can go home now, but not through the village. In other words, when you have an encounter with the anointing that opens up your eyes, don't just go back to normal living. You've got to find a new way forward. He had to go home, but not the old way. He had to find a new way. And that's what God is calling us into. With spiritual revelation we never had before. With anointing we never had before. We are called to now walk in a new way. We can be at home, but you've got to go differently. You've got to walk differently. You've got to be prepared to go differently. Whoa, shukupa shanda. You've got to see things differently. So we're talking about this man's natural eyes. But I believe that this story is more about our spiritual eyes. Because our spiritual eyes are even more important than our natural eyes. Some of you will know the story of a lady called Helen Keller. And she lost her natural eyesight. But she got incredible spiritual eyesight. She got eyesight. A lady, uh, Fanny Crosby, who went blind. And she wrote some amazing hymns. And she did some incredible things. Why? Because she placed more value on her spiritual eyesight than groaning about her lack of natural eyesight. And there is many times we, we spend more time groaning about the natural circumstance than rejoicing in the fact that we can have our eyesight anointed with anointing and see what others can't see. It's so good. See, as I've said, God is always going to call us out of our comfort zone. My personal story... well, yeah, I was baptized in the Spirit when I was seven. Rema mandula barandala kaburanda. Ever since then. Robo shundula. As I've said many times, you can never speak in tongues too much. You can do it not enough. I mean, what value do we place on it? I thank God that I grew up with people placing value on it. And they would encourage us. And it's so easy to people say, oh, well, you know, if God wants to give it to me. We're told to seek spiritually, to seek diligently, to seek passionately. Spiritual gifts. Oh, well, if God wants to, it's all right. No wonder they look miserable. So look at the parallels in the story for you and I. He gives us all an opportunity to be anointed. But he's expecting us to not be content with just partial sight. Oh, wow. I can see more than I could see before. Well, get under the anointing again. Get under the anointing. So I was baptized in the Spirit. I grew up in a church that had a lot of stories of miracles and healings, and it was like, God, I don't want to... Just hear everyone's stories from a previous generation. I don't want to hear stories. I, 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 I do want to hear them, but I don't want to be, that's all I ever get. God, I want to have my stories. I want to have my stories. And I just go, God, I want to have my stories. I want to have my stories. And so I would serve and I would worship and I'd sing. 
and 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 at that stage, Uncle Jeff over here, he's the old man over there, and and, and some people say that's so rude. No, he's my uncle. I can do that, and 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 he was leading the music team in the church. And it, and, and it was just like, every service, get in there and play. Every service, get in there and play. Why? Because you just never knew when something might happen. And was it sometimes boring? Yes. We got into a prayer room. And, and was it sometimes boring? Yes. But guess what? We pressed in. We pressed in. We pressed in. Because we were being called out of our comfort zone. And we weren't serving God based on what was comfortable and for us. Well, I don't feel like, well, get over yourself. So many Christians, they, their comfort zone is the de degree of their service to God. Well, they just need to get born again. The reality is we don't belong to ourselves, so it's not our comfort zone that determines how much we serve the King. We belong to Him, body and soul. You say, that's a bit hard, Seth. Well, it's okay. It hasn't done me any harm. And And we would play. But it was just good. But there was this in me. And then in 85, we had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit with some young people. And we were just singing a song. About Jesus and His kingship. And suddenly the spirit fell. And the next minute you had all these, I think there was about 60 young people in the room. And the next minute they were just on their face with God. They were just getting their lives on track with God. And there's a, it, was, it was just glorious. And they started to see what they hadn't seen before. They started to not worry about public holidays because that was a chance to worship God. I love raging fires coming up because the government has ordered you get paid to worship God. You get paid to worship God. I'm supposed to have a holiday. No, you're paid to worship God. That's what Good Friday is all about. Just saying. We're going to have Ian McCormick, sometimes called the jellyfish man, the man who can talk with utter outstanding truth about afterlife. But he's also got incredible experience of revival and amazing things. We've got Lindley Allen coming, who's recognized more and more around the world for her prophetic ministry. And then there's a Michael Livengood, is supposed to be able to escape the COVID-ridden America and, and come back to God's own. I mean, who wouldn't want to escape America? And then there's an old fella who just is too happy. <laughs> so we saw these things and we, we would keep pressing in and then Because God had anointed us with something, but we said, God, we want more. We're not content with that. And then through 93 and 94, giving up my secular career and was coming in saying, God, we've got to do something. And every Saturday night, we'd push all the chairs back and the big old pews in the old building we had and there wasn't a big church in those days it was just a little church and there was a balcony area that had never been used but we were there and we push all the seats back and all we'd do is worship revival worship songs about declaring the goodness of God speak for five minutes about faith and encouragement and then just lay hands on everyone for an encounter with the Holy Spirit, that people would speak in tongues or spiritual gifts, just, just lay hands on people, pack up and go home. We did it at half past six to half past seven for two years, every Saturday night, because you never make a spiritual decision based on human comfort. I, I just, 
Just say that. I'll have Hawaiian pizza. Thank you. I'm just teasing him. And then, suddenly, suddenly, because we were seeing what we couldn't see. I was seeing things that I, I, I would see it, but I couldn't see it. So my eyes couldn't see it, but in my eyes and my heart could see it. There's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit. And people say, oh, no, 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 I don't care. Never listen to the doubters. <laughs> never listen to the doubters. If they've got a problem, never, never take on someone else's offense. I'll just say it again. Never take on someone else's offense. Because you don't have a grace for that. That's their problem. And we were there. And then suddenly, the 12th of March, 1995, at quarter past eight, the Holy Spirit. It was so good. So what did we do the next night? Because we could see a bit more. We could see a bit more. We were seeing things that I hadn't seen. Some older people had. But I was, and so the next night, half past seven, we're back here again. Oh, but what about this? Forget about that. We're back here again. And then Tuesday night, we're back here again. And Wednesday night, we're back here again. And Thursday night, we're back here again. And Friday night, we're back here again. And Saturday night, we're back here again. And Sunday night, no, and morning, and night. You say, that was a bit extreme. No, we were getting anointed. And we were starting to see what we couldn't see before. And we was get and that went on for years and years. And then in the year two thousand, Michael Livengood had come and 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 in ninety nine, and then he came back in two thousand, and and he was going to be there for for four days. That's all he was going to be there for, and fly back. And Linda was sort of almost praying, God, don't dare do something, because <laughs> I'm not being naughty. That's she she tells it that she was saying, God, don't dare do something. I'm going home to my family in America. On Monday. But on Sunday morning, suddenly the heavens opened and, and we had this explosion in the pre-service prayer meeting. And, 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 and after about half an hour of overtime, we sent someone in, just get them worshipping. And, yeah, yeah, and then they wheelchaired me into church. It wasn't sort of particularly common at that stage. And, and, and they wheelchaired me in and suddenly I just pitchforked out of the wheelchair and, and I'm sitting there and they tell me my legs were all tangled up in the wheelchair and people were going to sort me out and Debbie said don't worry he's not worried why should you be and so because you see it's so easy that we, we, we think we've got to sort it out if God's not worried and the person's not worried leave them alone get your mouldy mitts off them and so so I was there my feet are all tangled up who cares but then I opened my eyes after a while and this cloud came down all the way down, 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 down. And suddenly, without anyone knowing, people got off their chairs and they were all down and lying on the floor all over the place because the glory had come in. And it was there. We were there for hours and hours and hours. It was just like, whoa, shukaranda. And that was the start of a six nights a week for, for five months services going on and hundreds of people from around the city got born again and thousands came back to a walking relationship with Jesus and churches all around the city got got an increase of population and 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 then amazing things why because the anointing will always open your eyes to see what you can't see at the moment and in a few minutes we're going to be anointing so that we are going to see in the spirit, what God intends, what his dreams are for the Wellington region. We're going to have eyes that get anointed tonight in a fresh way. Because when we see it, God puts a fire on the inside and we go, I'm going to pay. You see, the man who founded this church, he used to walk with Smith Wigglesworth. And as Smith Wigglesworth was leaving New Zealand on a ship, and, 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 and Frank Wilson had been traveling, he'd been his driver and everything else, been with him for months. And the last words that Smith Wigglesworth said to him as the gangplank was being taken up was, Wilson, pay any price for an open heaven. 
But to do it, you've got to have your eyes open to see the value of what it is in front of us, to see how high and how deep and how great is the dimension that God has for those who love Him and trust Him. And so then came the building, amazing provisions, incredible story. And then a few years ago, we were having a Sunday night meeting just like this. Are we doing okay with this? It's just, it's just the story. But it's more than that. It's fuel for the fire. And well, because I believe there's a generation who are saying, God, we don't want to hear the Seth stories. We want our story. Anyone in that category? Yeah, whoa, because that's why we're here. <laughs> well, so I'm just telling you my stories so that you'll get the fuel for your story. Oh, And then it was one Sunday night, and of course, we've had a, just to be a, a safe zone for people, we've got a no photography thing so that people don't take up photography, random people, and just put it up on the internet or do whatever. Have a place where people can just encounter with God. But we had a, a pastor and his wife were here visiting from down in the South Island, and they didn't know it was there. And the lady, she said, God started to do something, and she said, I've been in Pentecost for 40 years, and I've never seen that. And she got her phone, and she took a snap, and, and we found it, and we put it up. Now, that took place over there. Now, that sudden shaft of light, that wasn't a whole lighting effect, because otherwise it would be the same all over. I had just said to Graham just before, there's a portal's just open. Look at that shaft of light. I saw this shoo, come down. Just, it was just like, whoa, this is going to get, this is, oh, yeah, whoa. And I stepped across because if there's a portal, you don't run away from it, you get into it. And, and so I walked into that and suddenly that white ball there, you can see a hand holding me up. That's me. That's me. That's not a lighting effect. In a moment of time, and just after that, people everywhere was on the floor. You've never seen that? Oh. <laughs> that ball of white light is me. And it's like the Scripture says they were clothed in white and suddenly the glory came, came, came. Oh. The glory. and when we see things and we hear stories we can go oh yeah come on God come on God ha I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Do it again. And so, you see, the need for us is, and that's why we're here tonight, because we haven't been content just with an initial outpouring. We haven't been content with an initial anointing. We haven't been content with what God's done. But thankful for what God's done. Thankful, thankful, thankful. But saying, oh God, if that's what you've done in the past, how much more have you got? How much more have you got? And so it's still today, it's like I'm saying, God, I thank you for what I've seen and I thank you for what you've done. But I'm looking forward for like, Tonight there was portals there, and some of you are going to experience things this coming week that you're like, whoa. Some of you are going to experience angelic encounters, divine dreams, all sorts of stuff's going to happen. And 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 wuya mamondo lulula. And so also I really know that God is calling us to say, as I anoint you, don't just go back to your village the old way. In other words, you've got to learn to steward the anointing. You've got, and to protect the anointing that you've got too. One of the things that Debbie and I had to do was just say to some close people who were quite negative, if you want the negativity, that's it. 
And that wasn't us being arrogant and proud. We were protecting the anointing that we had received. And we weren't going to let negativity come into our world. Questioning. Scorn. Well, we don't have to cohabit with that. You say, well, people might get offended. Well, that's their problem, not yours. You're stewarding the anointing. You're stewarding the anointing, which is going to give you greater vision. You're stewarding the dreams that God has for you in the future. And, and, and for that, there might be, you have to, you might think you know exactly how things are going to be done. And God says, really? You see, there's lots of books you can read about how you should preach. And none of them say it the way I have to do it. I just did a, a thing with George and Banoff the other day, other day online. And, 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 and we were just offline. He said, Seth, you really are a sign and a wonder all of your own. I said, thank you, Georgian. <laughs> I, I could have learned elocution. I could have learned hermeneutics. I can't spell those words, but I could have learned all that. Or I just yielded to the Spirit when God said to me back in the 80s, are you willing to be a fool for me? And I go, what does that mean? That's not the question. Are you willing to be a fool for me? What's it going to look like, Lord? That's not the question. Are you willing to be a fool for me? I'm not sure what you're saying. Are you willing to be a fool for me? Until the moment came when I'm just lying on the floor because I've been just lying on the floor before God. And I just said, God, I gave my life to you. Yes. I had no idea. I had no idea. And I don't regret, regret it. Holy Spirit. So I sense that the Holy Spirit is wanting to anoint us past our capacity to interpret what happens and be willing to go, there's a new way. There's a new way. And the interesting thing is the new way that God's calling us is actually the same way God has always done, to trust Him more than we trust our human instincts, to be filled with the Spirit, to trust the Lord more than ourselves and to trust the Holy Spirit more than makes sense to our humanity. And all through Scripture, there is only one way. God's way has always been the same. Get under the anointing and be transformed so much that your natural instincts now become new spiritual instincts. I've shared the story of driving in Germany. It was all right driving at 250K. I was sitting in a certain thing because it's really easy flopping between left-hand drive and right-hand drive because you just sit in the middle of the road. So whichever car you're right, you, you, you're driving and you're in the center of the road. And then the pastor, the pastor in Berlin said, Seth, you really haven't had the whole German experience. Oh, what am I missing out on? You haven't driven at 200k an hour on a motorbike on the Autobahn. And I said, not yet. And the reason for was not fear of the speed, was I didn't trust my instincts. I said, I'm going to have to do some work on that. Because in a moment, if something happened, my instincts might be completely wrong to, to go left or right. And there's many times, unless our instincts have been renewed, our mind has been renewed, we've, we've got to be renewed by the Spirit. And that's what it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you, your spiritual instincts will override your natural instincts. Whoa! That's really good. Good preaching, Seth. And that's what Paul was talking about in Ephesians 1 when he said, I pray! Ooh. This is really good for my abs. <laughs> I pray that the... <laughs> The eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. 
Your natural instincts are not going to do it. But you can have your heart, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your belief system enlightened. How do you get the eyes enlightened? By the fire of God. Because all light starts as fire. The eyes of your heart may have the fire of God. This is what I wrote. The fire of God comes so gloriously that your belief system has great light to see what God has in store for his people, his world, and his kingdom. Eyes anointed to see God's dream. Eyes anointed to see what God has purposed. Because the Bible clearly says that the earth should be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And what's the hallmark when astronauts go up? Is the incredible oceans. Amazing. As the waters cover the sea. Can we have eyes that see the world around about us covered with the glory of the Lord? And not the problems, not the disasters, not the things we don't agree with, but our eyes with a revelation of the glory of the Lord, that the earth is filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Because if we can see it, we'll see it. But if you don't see it, you won't see it. In other words, if you can see it spiritually, you have the chance to then see it naturally. But if you can't see it spiritually, you probably won't see it get its fulfillment because that becomes the fuel. The spiritual revelation becomes the fuel that keeps the fire for revival going, that keeps the desire going. Can you stand with me, please? I was so thankful when God downloaded all this to me. It was like, oh, God, you're so good. There's so much in God's word that he's still got to unlock for us.